0: Well, good morning, everyone. We want you to stand together before we do our greeting. Holly's going to read our call to worship this morning, and then we're gonna then we're gonna greet each other, and we're gonna sing. So would you stand with us this morning? Our verse this morning is from John twelve verses twelve through thirteen. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, so they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, "Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King." Of Amen. Well, turn around this morning and find somebody you don't normally talk to and tell them that you are happy to see them in church this morning. One, two, one, two, three, four. Are you Have
1: a seat for me. My name is Amer. I'm from Jordan. I moved um, with my family to uh, U.S. We faced in Jordan a lot of persecution. Uh, it was so hard. But when we came here too, it wasn't easy for us. Me and my wife uh, Victoria was praying for the, um, the state and the cities that don't have Arabic church. After a long time praying, God said, "Cincinnati." we have a significant group of arab-speaking people so we've been praying for quite some time god would you give us someone that we can just kind of turn loose in that people group right and honor uh, literally just called me out of the blue there is not a lot of people know the culture know their language and can share the gospel with them this is why we came here Farmers of Family was part of the coronavirus relief. They just kind of called and said, Hey, we got some free food. Would you guys be able to hand it out to your community? We opened the parking lot and the people coming with the cars. We talk with them, we pray with them, and also we take some boxes to deliver it to the families they can't come here. It's opportunity to share the gospel. We'll continue with games, we'll have egg hunting, and we'll have dinner, and we'll invite the people to go inside the church and join our service. It's wonderful what's going on. They feel in the church, they feel we are more family. It's an amazing opportunity. We came to reach our community, the whole Arab people, and now we have people from at least nine countries from the Arab world. Give to Annie Armstrong, you didn't give to organization, you give to the missionaries, and that allowed them to share the gospel. God has brought honor honored here. We're going to support him, we're going to encourage him, we're going to walk with him, and we're going to see God get glory among their people in Cincinnati.
0: Well, good morning, everybody. That was a, a, a video that we had for the Annie Armstrong offering. Uh, it shows up there, our church goal, so if you guys uh, you know, feel free to give to that, and uh, we just thank you so much for, for giving to that, but uh, you know, it helps a ton of people um, around, and it just distributes money, and it's really cool to kind of see a video of, of it happening right here in our backyard, so we're thankful for that, and I'm thankful for all of you guys who are visitors, who are visiting today. Um, if you uh, is your first time here, or maybe your second or third time here, and you haven't checked in, there's an MR code on the back of your seat Uh, If you could scan that code, uh, we would love to connect with you. If you're not technologically advanced, that's okay. There's a starting point desk right out here on the left-hand side, and they would love to meet with you. Um, I'm going to dip down here for a second and grab these because I forgot to. Next week is our week. It's Easter week, the most important week ever. Uh, And this is a mailer that you guys might have gotten. Uh, It's got our service times and everything else on it. Uh, I need a little map of the church in case you need that, but you guys don't look like you do need that. And then these are some of the smaller handouts that we have. Um, the weather was kind of nasty this week, so there wasn't some gospel at every home, but these are some uh, uh, little cards that you can hand out that has our service times on it. And uh, Harold said, tell your friends and family, but I'll do you one better. Tell somebody you don't even like that much and give them one of these and tell them to come on over to church. We want to have them too. And uh, other than that, let's pray together. You're going to get a break this morning. We're going to do this next song. You guys get to sit. And then we're going to stand for the third. So uh, let's pray together this morning. Lord, just thank you so much for the opportunity to come into your house, Lord, on Palm Sunday. Lord, thank you for next week. And thank you for this week, Lord, as we reflect back on, on Passion Week and, and all of the things that Christ did during this time, Lord, as He prepared to, to go to the cross and be resurrected. Lord, we thank you so much for Sunday next week. And uh, help us to just keep that in our hearts all week. Lord, help us to go out and find somebody to share the gospel with and give Brother Harold the message. Uh, that someone needs to hear this morning. So in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
2: never stop, you never stop working.
0: ask you to stand uh for this one some of you may not know this but it's okay you're going to catch on real easily and josh uh brought this song uh to worship night and it's just a wonderful prayer um i want you to just uh kind of think about the words as we sing and 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 when you can catch on which will be easy we want you guys to sing with us um and i'll tell you i'll give you some cues to tell you when to start
3: singing it's a tough song too so you guys sing with me please
2: So Just one move With my arms stretched wide Needs your help. Come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. Cause 'cause got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Up your song, cause you got a lion in side of the lungs, Get up and praise the Lord. Come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me? Lift up your song. Cause you got a lion in side of the chicken.
4: Care, have a seat. Amen. I heard a few hallelujahs this morning. He's worthy of that, isn't he? Today is Palm Sunday. That's the day that the people laid down their clothes, their cloths, their palm branches, and they said, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And uh, we kick off Passion Week. And Passion Week is just the week that we journey with Jesus to the cross and we're reminded that uh, he went to the cross, he was crucified, buried, raised again, uh, conquered sin, death and hell. Uh, He won the victory, he paid the price, he accomplished his mission of saving us. And so this morning we're going to kind of travel back to the foot of the cross. Jesus was nailed to the cross at around nine in the morning. That was after an all-night fiasco, uh, legal trials, scourging, mockings, uh, mistreatment, and uh, this morning we're going to consider his final utterance, his final words from the cross as he uh, died there. And so I'm in Luke 23, and I'm going to pick up in verse 44. I'd love for you to stand with me, and uh, we'll honor God's Word together. Last week, I uh, Jesus said to the thief on the cross, Today you'll be with me in paradise. That was verse 43. And uh, we pick up in verse 44. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Let's, let's pray. Father, we, we want to be reminded this morning, this week, of what you did for us 2,000 years ago in going to the cross, taking our sins, paying our debt. Lord, this means everything to us, that you would die in our place, that you would be raised in victory. And Lord, we'll celebrate that in particular next week. But but we're just thankful today that you would die for us. We want to remember that today, celebrate that today. We want to be reminded of what you accomplished, the words that you spoke. Lord, our greatest desire is that everyone listening online or in this room would have a personal relationship with you through faith, that they would look to the cross, realize that you paid for their sins, that they would believe and turn from their sins and be saved. Lord, we want you to do that. We pray you would. We'd give you the praise for it. We offer a hallelujah to you today because you are worthy, 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 Lord. We pray you would do a work in these next few minutes for your glory, for our good. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'll mention this at the end. We'll gather Friday night at 7, and uh, we'll just be reminded of the Last Supper. We'll take communion together, and uh, that's at 7 o'clock. And then next Sunday morning, we'll have a sunrise service over in the the Commons area. Uh, That'll be at 7 o'clock. Hopefully, it'll be a little bit warmer than it was this morning. But we'll gather over there at seven. It'll be a shorter service, and then we'll have an eight thirty, ten forty five service. I hope you come. Bring some with you, uh, if you want to come to our early services. That might provide us some more room for our guests. But either one is good, and uh, we look forward to celebrating the resurrection next week. Uh, but this week, verse forty four, it was about the sixth hour. That's about noon. And so Christ has been hanging on the cross for about three hours. He's been exposed to the the burning rays of the sun. His mind has been taunted by the viciousness of the crowds. He's probably reached a point of exhaustion. And then this supernatural phenomena takes place. Again, it's at noon, and so the sun's at its zenith. And there is darkness, it says, over the whole land until the ninth hour. And so from noon to three, darkness blankets the earth. Verse 45 says, while the sun's light fell, or the the sun stopped shining. Now, people have tried to explain this by an eclipse, uh, but we know that Passover took place during the full moon, and so you don't have an eclipse during the full moon. And so there was this blanket of darkness. I suspect that it could be felt. Uh, we know that many people return to the city, and they probably are asking questions like, what in the world have we just done? There are many speculations about the reasons for darkness. Uh, some speculate that maybe nature dropped a veil to cover the suffering of, of Christ, their Creator. Uh, others think it points more to the, uh, the, the wrath of God being poured out against sin. Uh, Lots of reasons that we could come up for that, but darkness was covering the land. Matthew even records some other things that were taking place. In Matthew 27, uh, verse 51, it says, Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split, tombs were opened, many of the bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the tombs after this res- his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to, to many. And so uh, lots of things were going on around the time that Jesus was hanging on the cross. And so this morning we want to take just a, a few uh, moments and contemplate the scenes surrounding the cross. And so verse 45, while the sun's light failed, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And so one of the things that happens is that the, a curtain was torn. Now we read back in Matthew 27, verse 51, that it was torn in two from top to bottom, which indicates that God is the one who tore it apart, not man. But this curtain was uh, the separation in the temple between the holy place and the, the most holy place, the holy of holies, the, the presence of God. The, uh, and nobody could just go in that area. The, the high priest could enter that area once a year on the Day of Atonement and uh, offer a sacrifice for the people. But other than that, you, you didn't go into the Holy of Holies. And it was separated by this veil or this, this curtain. And uh, when Christ died on the cross, He offered a once-for-all sacrifice for sin. And there's no longer a need for a curtain because the door of salvation is, has been opened uh, and it was opened through the death of Jesus Christ. It's God's way of saying, because my son died for sin, there is now total access into my presence through my son, Jesus Christ. And this was a, uh, something that, that we kind of take for granted, but, but a Jewish person couldn't really imagine uh, being able to enter into the presence of God. And so let me ask you this morning, do you comprehend the significance of the curtain being torn in two? Do, do you understand that you have access to God, I mean the creator of the universe? And you don't have to go through a priest, and Jesus is our great high priest. Hebrews ten nineteen says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, we, we don't even have to enter with, with terror. We can have confidence to go in because we are coming through the blood of Jesus. And, you know, just just working on this sermon, I I think about this verse and I think how foolish it is that our God has given us an open-door invitation to come into His presence and how little time we often go into His presence. We're invited. We just don't take advantage of that. And I... You know, even this morning, I feel like maybe we ought to just confess that to God. Why don't you just bow with me for just a moment. Let's confess that. Lord, forgive us that through your death you opened the door. And how foolish we are not to come into your presence and enjoy your fellowship. And you say in your word, we have not because we pray not. We ask not. You tell us to pray without ceasing. You tell us to come with gratitude and by prayer. So many times you instruct us to come and to ask and to seek and to knock and so often we fail to do that and Lord forgive us, forgive me, forgive us as a church that we don't come more into your presence and seek your face and offer you our petitions and and lean and rely upon you, forgive us of that and remind us this morning of this awesome privilege that we have to come into your presence, in Jesus' name, amen. So the curtain was torn. And then we see verse forty-seven, the reaction of of uh, the centurion. The centurion is just a, a Roman uh, official who's in charge of a, a group of soldiers. And uh, and so what we see in verse forty-seven is that a centurion was was touched. And I mentioned all that was going on. There was darkness and the earthquakes and the rocks were splitting. And and verse forty-seven says. Now, when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent, or this man was righteous. Now, we already know that. Pilate had acknowledged that in verse 4, 14, 22. I don't find any fault for this guy. I don't find a reason to to charge him or to have him crucified. And, And Herod sent him back because there was no grounds for crucifying him. Peter specifies in 1 Peter that that we have been ransomed by the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. He was sinless, righteous, innocent. Matthew and Mark also record that the centurion made this confession, truly this man was the son of God. There's a centurion at the foot of the cross. He notices all that's going on. And he says, truly, this was the son. I don't know if that was just mental assent, But I know that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so without doubt, this centurion was touched by all that he witnessed there at the cross. We know one of the thieves, when he observed Jesus' life, realized that he was the Christ. The centurion also Noticed all that was going on in the witness of Jesus and and recognized that this was an innocent man. But here's the question for for us today, for you today, is have you been touched by the cross of Jesus? Have you been personally touched by the cross? Has it changed your life? Have you acknowledged your guilt? And all the while knowing that an innocent man died in your place. Jesus died. As our substitute, and have you ever cried out truly, Jesus is the Son of God. And my prayer this morning is that that God might touch your life and change you forever. And as we begin into Passion Week, may, may God give us a, a fresh touch and just remind us of what the cross was all about. And then we notice. The crowd was troubled, Verse 48 says, "And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breast. I suspect that the crowd realized that they had just participated in the crucifixion of an innocent man, and they realized this wasn't just an innocent man, this was the Son of God. Why else would all this be happening? Why else would darkness be covering the earth and the earth quaking and the, the rocks splitting? And they surely were filled with remorse and, and guilt. And Think about this. Every time we sin, our souls ought to have some remorse and be troubled as we realize that it was our sin that sent Jesus to the cross. And so let me ask you this morning, just, are, are you troubled by sin? Or is it, ah, no big deal. Are you Are you troubled by sin? Paul said a, a godly sorrow leads to repentance. When we realize that our sin is against God, we turn from that sin. Verse 49 tells us that his acquaintances and, and the women and uh, the gospel writers often point out the the women. Uh, they remained there. Uh, the women that came, who followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance, watching these things. These, these were faithful women. They remained at the cross. They they mourned over Jesus. They would be the last ones to leave and the first ones to come on Sunday morning. Now, they loved the Lord, and so that's just a, a brief. Look at the scenes surrounding the cross, and and then verses fifty through fifty six, I want us to consider the committal of Jesus's body. Most often, the Romans would take the bodies of those crucified, and they would throw them in the garbage dump outside the city. That area was called Gehenna, and they just take these bodies down, take them out there, and throw them in the in the garbage. And uh, a condemned criminal lost their right, the right to proper burial. But God saw to it that his son got a proper burial. And so, in verse 50, we see the request for the for Jesus' body. There was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, and so he was part of the Sanhedrin. That's the ruling party of the, the Jews. A good and righteous man. Uh, Luke tells us in verse 51 that he did not consent to their decision to... Uh, to crucify Jesus. Uh, He was looking for the kingdom of God. That's just an indication that he was a believer. And John points out that he was a secret uh, believer. Verse 52, this man went to Pilate and asked, for the body of Jesus. As a member of the Sanhedrin, he would have had greater access to Pilate, and so he goes and asks for the body. And then we see the removal of the body, verse 53, he took it down, wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone. So, according to the Jewish law, the the body couldn't remain hanging after sundown. And so as it got close to that time, they had to remove the body. They took down the body. They wrapped it in a a linen shroud or cloth. Uh, Verse says, and they laid him. Then we see the resting of Jesus' body. They laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. Again, church, this is not the normal burial for a victim of crucifixion. But Jesus was not a criminal. He was a king. Isaiah fifty three nine. We know that Isaiah fifty three is the song of the suffering servant, and we notice how Isaiah's prophecies are fulfilled in Jesus. Isaiah fifty three nine specifically says that, and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. We find that fulfilled perfectly. Jesus died between two thieves. That's the wicked men. But his body was placed in the, the tomb of a, a rich man uh, named Joseph. And it was important, church, for Jesus' body to be buried properly, to be in an identifiable tomb, because he was going to be raised from the dead. And it needed to be a place where they knew where they put him. And we know that uh, not only was it a tomb, but uh, they went and had the tomb guarded. And so it wasn't as if they took the body and threw it in the dump and and then it's gone and they said to decide, no, there was a particular tomb and this tomb was guarded and that's where Jesus was laid. And and Luke records that Jesus' tomb was one which should, no one had ever been laid. And so Jesus was king of the Jews. On Palm Sunday he rode into town on a, a unridden, I was going to say unused, but I guess unridden would be more accurate, a coat of a donkey. And after his crucifixion he is laid in an unused tomb. That's so fitting for him. Verse 54 tells us it was preparation day. That's the day before the Sabbath. And uh, you'd make the preparations for that. That would be the Friday before the Saturday. Sabbath began at sundown. And then in verse 55 we notice the regard for Jesus' body. Uh, The women who had come with him from Galilee followed, and they saw the tomb and how his body was laid. So this was important because they they were planning to return there on Sunday morning and make sure that Jesus' body was properly prepared for burial, and so they saw where it was at and how it was prepared, and the implication is they they saw how it was prepared, and and they're going to go make sure it was prepared just right for Jesus. Now if you read in, in John's account, John 19, verse 39 and 40 tells us that Nicodemus Uh, brought a significant amount of myrrh and aloes, aloes, 75 pounds. That sounds like a lot. Uh, And he helped Joseph make these preparations. And so they would make some initial preparations, at least temporarily, uh, because they weren't going to be able to come back to the tomb for at least 36 hours later. So they had to rest during the Sabbath. And so they, they made some initial preparations for the body. And uh, again, the the women must have felt that uh, it was not prepared adequately for for Jesus. And so verse 56 says, They returned and prepared spices and ointments. And so they were, listen, they loved Jesus so much, they were going to make sure that his body was properly prepared for burial. And uh, they couldn't do it right then because it was Sabbath time. uh, But they went and prepared them. And then it says, On the Sabbath they rested according to the commandments. But they were going to be back there first thing Sunday morning, and I encourage you to come back next Sunday, and we'll find out exactly what they found when they came to the tomb. You know, but uh, we'll we'll come back and celebrate that. Uh, of course, we know the tomb was borrowed. And listen, these spices that they prepared, they, they're going to go unused because the Lord is not going to be there next week. He's going to be raised from the dead. So we've considered the, the committal of Jesus' body. Let's end by but trying to comprehend the the committal of Jesus' spirit. The last few weeks, we've examined some of the words spoken by Jesus as he hung on the cross. And this morning, we come to the final words. And so notice the words of Jesus, verse 46. Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he would breathe his last and, and die. Now, we can say a lot about these words. I, I just want you to realize that these words are from a psalm, Psalm 31.5. And Psalm 31, five says, uh, uh, Into your hands I commit my spirit. It was a prayer that Jewish parents would teach their children. Some of you might be familiar with, Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Y'all ever heard of that? It's kind of a little thing we... Might teach your kids, well, into your hands I commit my spirit, as a, a trusting Jew would would lay his head on the pillow and and say those words as if commending himself to God's care throughout the night. Well, that's kind of neat, isn't it? And so we would assume maybe that Mary and Joseph had taught these words to Jesus as a as a little fellow, and and he repeated it as he grew up. But these words are are so appropriate, and. and I believe these final words were appropriate because not only had Jesus accomplished His work of redemption, and uh, but but also in these words it's as if He gives permission for death to come. Listen, I, I think I can make this argument. I think I could argue that Jesus was not murdered. And well, we say, well, it sounds like crucifixion was murder. Listen, I, I think we could argue that his life was not taken from him by men. He didn't die of exhaustion or lack of oxygen. He didn't die involuntarily, but rather he surrendered his spirit by his own will. We find that in John, don't we? John 10, 17 and 18, but John ten, eighteen, he's talking about his body. He says to his disciples, I lay it down on my own accord. He says, I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. And so as he is hanging on the cross, he utters these words, it is finished. And then he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Listen, I don't believe after he said those words there was just this sudden jerk. or, or uh, I believe Jesus just gently, in full control, yielded up his spirit. Listen, death cannot surprise Jesus. He simply gave death permission. He controlled his own death. And I believe that Jesus died at the very moment determined by God in ages past. It was somewhere around 3 o'clock, which is the very time that the Passover lambs would be sacrificed. And Jesus was given his life as a sacrificial lamb for us. And so he dies at that time. Listen, it was very abnormal for individuals to be who were being crucified, to die so soon. And so we know the, th- the other thieves were still alive. They broke their bones to try to hurry it along, but but Jesus. Uh, and those other thieves, they've been scourged too. And that, that was common for crucifixion. And some people will say, well, maybe Jesus was just weaker. Shake your head like this. No way. And John MacArthur made a point one time, and I, I think I agree with it. He, he said that he believes that Jesus' body was the finest human physique ever been on earth. And he said that because his body had never known sin. Jesus wasn't weak. The reason that Jesus died so soon is that he was operating on a divine clock. And his time had come. It was time for him to die for the sins of the world. I mean, John knew that. He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the... Well, listen, it was time for him to bear the sins to give his life. Now, a few interesting things about uh, the words that Jesus spoke. If you remember in Matthew 27 verse 46, Matthew records Jesus crying out and he does it in in the Aramaic. but my God, my God why have you forsaken me? My God, my God he he doesn't say father he he says my God, my God Jesus was a member of the the Godhead, He always addresses the, the Father as such, but, but at this particular moment, it's as if He has been removed. And there was, a, for, an, for the first time and the only time, there was a break in fellowship. Jesus was taking our sins. He was becoming sin for us. It was as if the Father was turning away and pouring out his wrath. And at that moment, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was bearing our sins. But as he speaks these last words in, in Luke 23, verse 46, he says, Father. What's interesting is, Father's not in Psalm 31, 5. And Jesus was really the, the first uh, to regularly address God as Father. And so what it shows us is that the Father's abandonment is over forever. Jesus is, I mean, the Father's justice has been satisfied through the shed blood of His Son. And now He turns His back towards His Son, and the Son says, Father, into Your hands I commit my spirit. I notice just, you know, during Jesus' 30 years or so on earth, He'd kind of been in the hands of others. I mean, Mary and Joseph held him in their hands. And on the eighth day, he went to the temple, and Simeon took him up in his hands. And at the beginning of his ministry, John took him in his hands and baptized him. And and the disciples kind of held him close in, in their hands. And the last day of his life, he was put on trial and scourged and crucified by the hands of men. I mean, when Peter preaches... On the day of Pentecost, on Acts 2.23, he specifically says that the hands of godless men crucified him. But now Jesus is ready to be back in the Father's hands. And so he says, I, I commit my spirit. That word commit is used for making a deposit. You, you know how when you got money and you want to get it in the bank so it's secure? That, that's the kind of... Lord, I'm committing, I'm I'm putting my spirit in a secure place. That's the kind of language that he's using here. And uh, I'm entrusting my spirit to you, Father. And listen, there's no greater place than to be in the Father's hands. Amen. That's where I'm at. That's where you're at if you're in Christ. And we're there because Jesus said, remember John 10, 28? He says, I I give them eternal life. He's talking about his sheep. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. Remember that? Then he goes on to say that no one is able to snatch them out of my hands. Then in John 10, 29, he says, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. And also notice what... Jesus is placing in His Father's hands, Not His body. They're going to stick His body in the tomb. But His spirit. The body is just a temporary dwelling. But our soul, our, our spirit lives forever. You've heard people say, everyone lives somewhere forever. It's our spirit. And I hope that your place is heaven. Let me end with just the, the example of Jesus. In this passage, Jesus gives us an example of living and dying while on the cross. And uh, just a couple of observations. I, I borrow these from Chuck Swindoll just because they're so good. But, but he says that, that Jesus, first, he gave us a, the secret of living. What we notice on the, the whole time Jesus is on the cross, there's not one root of bitterness, he never had that. He's not talking about revenge. He, We don't hear any of those things coming from his lips. Instead, he's thinking about others. A couple of weeks ago, Father, forgive them. He's thinking about his mother. He says, John, take care of my mom. He, he's thinking about the thief who's dying. And he says, today you'll be... Listen, he, he's, he lived that way. That, that's a, an amazing way to live your life, considering others more than yourself. And we see Jesus live that way and... Jesus was focused on the mission. He was determined to accomplish the mission. He didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give His life. Paul says in Philippians, He endured the cross with joy, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross. And so He he gave us the secret to living, and then He gave us the really the art of dying. And notice how He died. He he. He's been beaten to the point of death. He's had these thorns driven into his skull. He's had spikes driven through his hands and feet. His face face is surely swollen, and his body is bruised. You probably couldn't even recognize him. In spite of all that, he recalls Scripture, maybe from his childhood, and he says, Father, into your hands I commit my... Listen, what a way to die. And, you know, that's the way... Polycarp and Jerome and Martin Luther and Philip Melanchthon, many others, they were being burned at the stake, and often they would say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Let me ask you this morning are you, are you able to say those words when you come to the end of your life? And listen, only if you have a relationship with the Father through Jesus. If you know Him as Father, you can say those very words and commit yourself to his hands. And then I just want to close this morning by reminding us that the mission of Jesus was accomplished. Again, Matthew 20, 28, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And That's exactly what we see him doing on the cross. Jesus was the spotless lamb who was made sin who became sin for us. He took the, listen, the wages of sin is death. What we deserve, our wages, is death. And he took those wages, he paid them in full. Salvation is available. 1 John 4.10, y'all know what it is. God sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, the The atoning sacrifice, Jesus came to to be that. And, you know, you've heard He came to pay a debt He didn't owe because we owe a debt we couldn't pay. That's what we see Jesus doing on the cross. Before He committed His Spirit back to the Father, He accomplished His mission. He he said, it's finished. He's talking about our salvation. It's, It's been paid for. And the good news this morning is that salvation is available When we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, our sins are forgiven. We are clothed or credited with His... We're not just like Adam and Eve. At the beginning, they were... No, we're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. We're brought into the family. We're saved. We're, We're promised eternity. All of that, church, was accomplished at the cross. Chief of sinners, though I be, Jesus shed his blood for me. Died that I may live on high, live that I may never die. Jesus did that for me and you. Won't you stand with me this morning? And we're going to have a, an invitation. And again, we have this every week. It's an opportunity for you to respond to God's word and. In particular, to receive the forgiveness of your sins and to make Jesus Lord, to become a disciple. And uh, this is such a an important week uh, because this is the week that we're reminded of what Jesus did for us. And, and so I'm going to pray and then I'm going to invite you to, to respond to the Word of God. Lord, thank you for the cross, all that you accomplished. All that you spoke, Father, forgive them. And it is finished. Lord, you did that for, for me. You took my sin, and I just want to thank you today. And Lord, I want the, I want those listening to know that that they can have the forgiveness of their sins. And they can come and put their faith in Jesus and be saved. I pray that some would today. And we'd worship you. We'd give you praise. we turn from our sins. Lord, forgive us when we take our sins lightly. Forgive us when we don't come into your presence. Forgive us when we don't tell this good news. And we thank you today. We pray you'd save some today. and We'd celebrate that. What a awesome day to be saved. Lord, do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, you're invited. John eleven says that Jesus came to His own and His own did not receive Him. But verse 12 says that all that did, all who did who believe, He gave the right to become children of God. Listen, you're invited this morning to believe upon Jesus and be saved. I, I'd love to talk to you about a relationship with Jesus. If you need to be saved or Need to be baptized or do, listen, if you need to respond in some way, i will be down front, love to speak to you.
5: For he is jealous of me And loves like a-
4: Awesome to think about God loves us enough to send His Son. And uh, let me just encourage you to tell somebody that good news this week. And again, we have some of these flyers out there. Well, listen, we can't use them after Sunday. And so uh, get the big ones or the little ones. The big ones are on the table. The small ones are on the dollar box. Uh, we'd love for you to invite some folks, friends or enemies. Uh, we'd love for you to do that. I, I love, just be seated for just a moment. Uh, Ken's going to come and share a little bit about Western Kentucky. i just blessed being with... Uh, I guess the A team this week. uh, They did a lot of work, and it was a good time. And thankful for those guys. And Ken's going to share just a little bit. I think I turned this off.
3: There you go, brother. Yeah. I won't keep you just a minute. I promise. He was asked us to tell a little bit about the mission trip that we went on this past week to Western Kentucky, and I want to share with you guys that uh, that we were blessed to be able to serve a family, a a young Christian family, and and uh, their story is incredible. The devastation in Western Kentucky is still immense. It's, uh, you know, it's happened back in December, and and, and as humans, we we, want to help right away. And we have this tendency to go, 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 but this is going to be an ongoing project, a a lot of years um, to to take care of this community. There's just devastation everywhere. Um, Real quickly, I'll share the story with this family that that we worked for. The the wife and and husband, and they had two teenage kids, and the wife and the, the, the kids were gone visiting friends when the tornado happened. The husband was still at home. And the wife, she had called him several times and said, hey, there's a tornado barreling right down on the house. you got to get out. you got to get out. And like most of your husbands, he said, no, I'm not going. I, so, and I would have said the same thing probably. But they lived on a little piece of land, and his mom and dad lived right up the hill. And he decided when some of the stuff started coming off of his house that he better go check on his parents. And when he went up there and checked on his parents, they had gone down into a, a, some sort of a cellar, and he went down to check on them. And right at that moment, his house turned into that. And uh, so he probably wouldn't have lasted if he have stayed there. But there, for that one house that you see there, there's hundreds more just like it. It's not even been touched yet. So we're basically here kind of recruiting. We, we went down this past week, and, and we were able to get this family to a point where they thought that they were probably going to be four or five months from getting back into their house, and it looks like they might be able to get back in now in two or three more weeks. So it was, it was really they think they got the blessing, but we got the blessing out of it. But <laughs> praise God. So I'm here to recruit you guys we're hoping to send some more teams down over the course of the next three or four months. Um, So maybe the next one we're looking at sort of the end of May right now we don't have it set in stone yet. And we're considering maybe long weekends you don't have to be skilled. It's uh, we will find work for you I promise. And um, You don't have to be male. You can be female. We will find work for you. I promise. And um, there's a church down there that that sets us up. We were able to stay there. They've got showers. Everybody asked me when I left the first service, what do you eat and where do you stay and do you have showers? So the food is good. The showers are hot. And uh, you'll just have to bring your own cot. So anyway, we would love to have you all go with us. And uh, that's just some of the pictures of the after. Um, So anyway, that's really all I've got. You want me to pray and All right, and Danny yelled at me in the first service because I yell at him every week when he skips and forgets about the dollar club boxes. Dollar club boxes are out back. You know which ones they are, and you know the offering boxes are out there as well. So let me close this with prayer. Lord, thank you for this day, and thank you for the opportunity to serve you. And thank you for for just being with these people, and thank you for showing your love to these people. And and these people, their spirits are high because of you, Lord. Lord, we appreciate the churches, and we appreciate the the Baptists in Kentucky, and, and we always... Talk about why do we have to go so far away to do a mission trip? Well, you've provided us one, and we thank you for that. Lord, watch over us and keep us as we leave here today. Help us to be warriors for you. In Jesus' name we pray.